faithwire.com. A disturbing satellite image shows China building potential nuclear missile silos in a disturbing buildup. Today's Thursday, August 5th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have this story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Joining me today, as always, Trey Phillips from Faithwire.com. Break it all down and have a look at what's coming up. What's going on, Trey? Hey, hey, Dan. Happy Thursday to you. So coming up on the podcast today, we're going to talk about the BBC. They're uh, asking if there's a need for child-appropriate pornography. Uh, Who asked them to one, ask? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I think the answer to that one is pretty obvious. Uh, so then we have uh, Senator Rand Paul is uh, tearing into obscene, that's what he called it, op-ed on the unvaccinated. And then we also spoke with the executive producer of The Chosen uh, and got the story behind what he called a Red Sea moment. So that's mm. a, a good way to end the podcast. Indeed. Indeed it is. All right, let's, uh, let's dive right into this one today, uh, Trey. We've got these disturbing images, these satellite images. Uh, from June 4th earlier this year. Um, They show, according to analysts, a field of intercontinental ballistic missile silos near Yumen, China. Uh, CBN's Pat Robertson warned of the long arm of China getting potentially even more dangerous. Senator Marco Rubio echoed those comments as well, saying the title of this hearing is The Long Arm of China, and The Long Arm of China is not some futuristic threat, it's already here. Uh, Here's CBN's George Thomas, who is reporting on the story. New satellite images show a major expansion of China's missile program. Xi Jinping has one goal, to be the geopolitical, military, and economic leader in the world, period. Researchers with the Federation of American Scientists uncovered 250 suspected nuclear missile silos represented in this image by dots. They're under construction in a desert in China's western Xinjiang province. That's the same region where human rights groups believe Beijing is holding more than one million Muslim Uyghurs in massive concentration camps as part of the communist government's genocide against the ethnic minority group. U.S. Strategic Command responded to these images by saying this is the second time in two months the public has discovered what we've been saying all along about the growing threat the world faces and the veil of secrecy that surrounds it. Um, This rapid buildup has become more difficult to hide, and it highlights how the PRC appears again to be deviating from decades of nuclear strategy based around minimum deterrence, said uh, the sta- State Department spokesperson. Uh, also, according to NPR, China, uh, they said China appears to be expanding its sprawling nuclear weapons testing complex in the nation's western desert. Satellite imagery shared exclusively with NPR, theirs was a little different, uh, showed a possible new tunnel being dug and fresh roads added at the site known as uh, Lapnur, where China has tested its nuclear weapons in the past. So a couple things about this one. What's the left saying? Well, the they're not explicitly speaking about uh, this possible nuclear buildup report by China, um, but the Biden administration did weigh in on another China-related topic earlier today. He signed a memo shielding residents of Hong Kong living in the U.S. from deportation for at least 18 months. He cited significant erosion of freedoms in the territory uh, by the communist regime. So uh, you've got that, everyone acknowledging the human rights abuses there. But 
You couple that with this missile buildup, and that should be kind of alarm bells going off here. Senator Mark Warner, Democrat from Virginia, um, and the chairman of the Senate Intelligence, uh, Intelligence Committee, told committee members during Wednesday's hearing that China is focusing on targeting key U.S. technologies for both acquisition and development. These include aerospace, advanced manufacturing, AI, biotech, data analytics, semiconductors, renewables, all in order to ensure their future dominance in these areas. So what's the right saying? Well, former President Trump, he also didn't mention this specific buildup, but he did push for Biden to make China pay $10 trillion in COVID reparations and the an, an idea that Jen Psaki dismissed uh, in, in, the, in a press conference this week. She said, our position hasn't changed. Uh, and then the reporter pressed on if Biden was even open to the idea. She cut off the question and said, do you have another question? Um, so not everyone's addressing it, although China's still a big topic. Um, but the missile buildup being widely reported and, um, you know, obviously very disturbing to many. And so why does it matter? It matters. I mean, if, as we've noted several times, Trey, that China is just um, engaged in human rights abuses, religious freedom abuses. The communist government's just running amok, just yeah. rounding people up who they feel is a threat. Um, and at the same time, they're trying to exert and expand their global influence. And so, I mean, what China does is going to have a huge impact on our daily lives. And I mean, we've, I think we've seen that with the pandemic. They lied, they covered up, and that caused a slower response for everybody around the world when it could have potentially been stopped, so, um, or at least slowed down. So, you know, China has a big, a big part to play going forward. It's, anytime we talk about China now, one, I, I can't help but think about the hypocrisy of, of so many people, uh, yeah. particularly in like the entertainment world and the tech world, whatever, with the, with the way that they have, have you know, jumped fully on board with the BLM stuff here and about how we're just so systemically racist and our culture is just so uh, abhorrent in all of these different ways. Uh, but say nothing about you know the the market share that they're trying to protect in china or uh, the cheap labor they get in china like nothing is said of that and that's just kind of like the thing that you just have to uh it's the elephant in the room that no one's allowed to look at or acknowledge uh and then to anytime we're talking about a foreign policy issue with um with Biden, I'm reminded of uh, what Robert Gates said was a few years ago now. Uh, he said that in, in his entire career, uh, Joe Biden has never once been right <laughs> on any foreign policy issue. Uh, so, you know, just uh, something to keep in mind. But um, yeah, I do think the issue is is uh, is certainly there when it comes to religious liberty and religious freedom issues, Dan, because uh, they've made clear that they're, they're the, the, communist regime in China is comfortable uh, persecuting uh, not just Christians, but Muslims and, and any sort of religious minority that doesn't uh, fall in line with the, you know, the, the party politic there. Right. Right. Yeah. So certainly a story to keep our eye on, yep. but story number two. So it's a, a pretty good indicator, I think, uh, that the moral compass is broken uh, when when one of the world's leading news agencies uh, is asking its viewers if there should exist within the pornography industry an age-appropriate category to teach teens about consent hey. and what's respectful and what's not. Uh, so we're going to look to pornography to teach us about what's respectful and consent. 
like I said, seems like the moral <laughs> compass is, is spinning out of control there. Uh, but nevertheless, that's what BBC Woman's Hour asked its viewers this week. And the question came just days after GQ journalist Flora Gill suggested in a since-deleted tweet for which she received quite a bit of pushback, that someone needs to create porn for children because young teens are already watching porn, uh, but they're finding hardcore aggressive videos that give a terrible view of sex and need what she called entry-level porn instead. So, so much of this is in response to a a very real problem, which is that pornography is incredibly prolific these days. Uh, You'd be hard-pressed to find anyone under the age of 13, that's according to data from last year, who hasn't been exposed to it, whether on purpose or by mistake. So it's entirely reasonable and even encouraging in a way uh, to see that society has at least acknowledged the pervasiveness of pornography uh, in our society. The problem, though, is that we're addressing it in completely the wrong ways. So Flora, the BBC, and the numerous porn literacy courses, yes, those exist, we've written about them at Faithwire, uh, cropping up around the country are operating from the flawed premise that there's a way to consume responsibly. And that's just not the case. You can't consume pornography (laughs) responsibly. And so, you know, pornography isn't one only deeply problematic because it distorts, obviously, God's perfect design for sexuality, which we as Christians know. He created it to be enjoyed within the context of a marriage between one man and, and one woman. But it also does a great deal of psychological and even physical harm to those who consume it and to people who are in, in committed relationships with those who are addicted to it. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not really a, a right or left issue here. Uh, at least not in the traditional sense, though there are certainly aspects of this, Dan, that are really politicized. The left is is generally more inclined to support exposing children yeah. to like, progressive sexual concepts, particularly in the public school atmosphere. Uh, they're more comfortable with that than conservatives are who have pushed back against uh, you know, these policies at, at different school districts where they're introducing kids at younger and younger ages, even third, second and third grade in some instances, uh, to classes on sexual and gender identities. Uh, but I, I'd encourage all of y'all to go over to faithwire.com. I have a commentary up now. It's explaining just how dangerous pornography is, not just, like I said, psychologically, uh, but also physically. And that's why God takes sexual sin so seriously. Like in, in a lot of these porn literacy classes, as they're called, uh, they're talking about, like I said, how to consume responsibly. But if we know, like through research, that, that our reactions to pornography are similar to our reactions to someone who's addicted to alcohol or cocaine or or nicotine. Just imagine if we were enrolling students in a course to teach them how to use cocaine responsibly. Like we wouldn't do that. Uh, So because we we know we've societally accepted how dangerous that is, we need to do the same thing uh, with pornography. That's why, like I said, Scripture puts such a serious emphasis on this in the New Testament uh, here's the application, I think, for us is Paul talks about running away from it as fast as you can. He wrote in 1 Corinthians six eighteen, run from sexual sin. He said, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body, a sin you can't escape. Uh, and we know also from, from other parts of Scripture that our bodies are the temple for Christ. It's the temple for the Holy Spirit. So we have a a, a, a mandate to protect it. 
Uh, and when we're allowing sexual sin to come in, uh, you know, like I said, we can't run from that. And that's why Paul puts such a, a premium on sexual sin. In any verse or scripture, he's talking about sin and he lists stuff. The first one is always sexual immorality yeah. uh, because that's the one that just so quickly uh, and, and deeply grips us. Uh, and it has wide, wide-reaching ramifications. Uh, again, like I said, I talk about in, in, in my commentary on faithwire.com. Yeah, and uh, man, the thing that keeps sticking out to me is, as you mentioned there, the do it responsibly yeah. line. I, I don't understand why for some of these issues, quitting and just accepting that they're going to do it anyway is is this acceptable sort of outcome. I mean, you don't just say, well, look, beat your spouse responsibly. You know, I mean, right. people are just going to beat their spouse. If you're going to do it, just do it so they don't kill. Like Nobody would do that because everyone knows it's wrong and it's harmful. Um, and you said the needles thing. And, and actually, there are some programs where that are government run programs in certain cities where they have clean needles for them to take for the drug addicts to take. Because, hey, look, if you're going to be doing it anyway, let's get you in here with a clean needle. Like, wait, I don't understand that mentality. It's 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 have sex responsibly, you know, to kids in school. And it's like, no, how about we just tell them not to do it? You know, like that's the, yeah. that's the responsible thing to do. Um, but I think this is a logical conclusion. It's a, it's inevitable, Trey. And it, you said that the the you started off by saying the the compass is broken. I don't even think we have a compass anymore. <laughs> There's just <laughs> yeah. not even one. And and I think that's moral relativism. I think that is just. I think what we're seeing are people realizing um, the end game of their own worldview. And so when you don't have a worldview that's attached to anything other than your your own idea of what's right and wrong, inevitably you realize that, well, I guess I really can't be against anything. And you just start advocating for mm. all kinds of stuff. And I think that's why we see people saying like, well, they don't even hesitate to be like, well, gee, what about we just get some porn in front of kids? I mean, <laughs> they're not even thinking. Um, but yeah. I think, But I think the reason they're not thinking is because they've realized, oh, well, gosh, there is no basis here for me to backdrop this against other than my own view. So now you got to start rationalizing things. So um, I think that's just my take on what I think we're seeing. Yeah, I think that's a great deal of it. I think, too, there's kind of what, what George W. Bush coined as the soft bigotry of low expectations. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's going to happen anyway, so we might as well yeah. just get on board uh, and accept it. Uh, and, and that's just that's a, a bad place to be. We should expect more of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, we live in a broken world and we're capable of a lot more. Uh, you know, and we should hold people to those standards. Uh, as particularly as Christians, we've got a we have a standard, we have a, a rule book that kind of guides not 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 a prescription of if you do this, this, and this, right. uh, all your problems will be solved. But we do this, this, and this because we know uh, who who we're created to worship, and we know the world that He designed us to live in. Uh, so we should strive for that until we get to eternity. And I I just think you know we shouldn't just settle for second best when it comes to stuff like this. Pornography is a moral blight on society, uh, and and we should we should understand that and fight it. Not say, well, you know, I guess we just got to settle in and accept it. Nothing we can do about it, uh, because there definitely is stuff we can do about it. Yeah. We just need to to we need to put the truth in front of people uh, instead of hiding it from them. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree with that more. All right, let's uh, speaking of putting truth in front of people, uh, let's go into our next story here. We've got <laughs> Senator Rand Paul kind of going after, they've been going back and forth with Dr. Anthony Fauci for a while now. He called him 
on an appearance of Fox and Friends. Very dangerous for uh, his advice on coronavirus. He said, Dr. Fauci needs to be away from government, away from advice, because almost all of his advice has been wrongheaded. Uh, but some of it's actually very dangerous, he said. So he was responding to an op-ed that was in The Atlantic uh, called Unvaccinated People Need to Bear the Burden, which advocated for for allowing um, vaccinated individuals to fly on domestic flights. Here's how he responded uh, when asked about the, uh, about the op-ed this morning. Uh, obscene, you know, that if we now disagree in our personal medical decisions with the left, they're going to declare that we're a terrorist and that we can't fly. But even on the practicality of it, even if you said, okay, we're gonna do this, even the CDC says you're not supposed to get vaccinated if you've been infected within three months. So what are we gonna do? Tell people they can't fly for three months, even according to the CDC? I and other doctors actually think that your immunity from being infected is going to last a lot longer. With the 2004 epidemic, people still have immunity. Spanish flu, there are people alive who still have immunity from 1918. So I do believe natural immunity should be taken into account. But even according to the CDC, this idiot would have us not flying for three months. So it makes no sense. It's, it's complete collectivism. And all of these people are the same people who hooted and hollered and said, Trump is leading us to authoritarianism. What could be more authoritarian than a no-fly list for people who disagree with you? Yeah, so some, some strong words there, obviously, by, uh, by Senator uh, Rand Paul, who has not been a fan, obviously, of... Um, <laughs> of Fauci in any way, shape, or form. And it should, I should make it clear, by the way, that Fauci didn't write that actual op-ed, um, but uh, it was it was he was conflating the two and talking about how Fauci's been advocating similar things. So um so but the op-ed was in the Atlantic and it and it did suggest that and there was a lot of reaction of, of it online, uh, including some on the left who a lot of them agreed. You know, and they said, fully agree, this would be a game changer. Others lined up to agree, saying that people don't even wear masks properly at the airport, so we've ju- it's just time, we've just got to force it. Uh, while people on the right were pointing out some hypocrisies, uh, some noted that the billionaire owner of The Atlantic, which, uh, you know, public- published this article, uh, owns two private jets. Um, so <laughs> others said, so what about uh, other communicable diseases will we add to the list? Will we add AIDS, TB, annual flu shot, et cetera? Where does it end when you open the Pandora's box? So uh, fascist was another common refrain in this article. So why does it matter? Well, as Paul noted, um, any concerns about authoritarian governments seem to have sort of quickly dissipated. They've just up and vanished. Um, and, you know, I think we've talked about a trade, but this is this is what a nation guided by fear looks like. You can't protect yeah. people from germs. It's just not possible. And, you know, the vaccine, it's available to those who want it. We talked about the numbers yesterday. The vast majority of cases now of COVID are among the unvaccinated. and But the media continues to pit us against each other and perpetuate this narrative that one side's killing the other side uh, because of this choice. Mm-hmm. So um, the Bible tells us we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And it certainly doesn't appear the country at large is uh, following that advice. Is it just me, Dan, or has the has the left been quite obsessed with the no fly thing? Yeah, um, 
over the last few years. Like that seems to just crop up every once in a while. Like there's another story of people who needed to be added to the no fly list. Right. Uh, like it was Trump donors. There's one group of people that you know, <laughs> wanted to out. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Out all of the people who right. uh, who have ever donated to pres- former President Trump. They needed to all be added to the no fly list. Anybody who worked in his administration needs to be on the no fly list. Then any of the people who were in the Capitol uh, riot inside the building, no they need to be added to yeah. the no fly list. Like okay, I can maybe get that one. But then they say anybody who was even at the protest at all needs to be added to the fly list. I'm like, why don't we just add anybody who's conservative? All conservatives need to be added to the no-fly list. Yes, Um, if you have not registered for the Democratic Party, you are on the (laughs) no-fly list. And I just I, like it seems it's kind of like the 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 fact that we've um, that we've turned words into violence. Yeah, uh, it's now people who decide not to get vaccinated, many of them for an actual legitimate medical reason, uh, right. one of which uh, Rand Paul mentioned. Uh, but, you know, people who, for whatever reason, choose not to get vaccinated are going to be lumped in and equated with terrorists who are a threat to the safety of Americans writ large. <laughs> so they can't get on a plane. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like what the needle we're moving it so far into the land of the absurd that I just, uh, you know, it, it's hard to fathom why anybody would even uh, accept this stuff anyway. So, I mean, I'm glad there are people speaking out against it, but it's, uh, yeah, there's it's just... quite, quite odd to see so many people, just in favor of, like you said, just an authoritarian move after authoritarian move. And there's no seeming, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any sort of like buffer, like, oh, wait, maybe we should pause. No, and look, and I think this is what happens when, I mean, politicians are going to play political games with every issue. And so the bigger the issue, the bigger the stakes. And so what do Democrats and Republicans want to do? They want to make each other look bad. And right now, uh, Democrats feel like they have a chance to paint every because remember the unvaccinated are are a mix of people it's not just they try to make it sound like it's just christians it's just republicans that are doing this but there is there are a lot of different people i mean minority groups who rightly have a mistrust of governments because of how they've been treated in the past aren't are also having some hesitancy there about getting a vaccine that the government's you know telling everybody to get and so there are a lot of different reasons but what the left wants to do right now is make the Christian conservative side look like they're the ones holding back America and causing this big problem. And so them getting us on a no fly list as Christians would, you know, or conservatives, whatever the case may be, uh, is per a win for them. So, yeah. And I want to add to, before I get into the last story, that there's a difference between vaccine hesitant and anti-vax. Yeah, oh, totally. Like yeah. You know, but I feel like we've kind of conflated them. It's as anybody who's hesitant about the vaccine or wants more information or is concerned about some of the side effects or maybe uh, me- medical issues they have, you know, how it would counteract, whatever. They've kind of been lumped in to the group yeah. of people who think all vaccines are just evil and, and uh, right. you know, plot by big government to do whatever, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and they're just not no. the same people at all. Uh, and I think we would do well by them to to separate them. It is completely fine to have questions and to be yeah. hesitant about no, a I mean, an experimental drug. Like yeah, that is it, it completely came out, fine. Yes, it came out very quickly. And so it looks like it's working. But you can understand yeah, people sure. who are just like, hey, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to yeah. wait and see if anything happens before I take it. Like I, That is a totally reasonable position to have despite yeah. everyone trying to just get you on the bandwagon and get, get everything. So yeah, I totally agree. That's a, that's a worthwhile uh, approach to have there and distinction to make. 
Yeah, for sure. All right, story number four. So with some of the most popular shows on streaming platforms, costing an upwards of $10 million per episode, I think is The Crown costs like $16 million per episode and uh, Stranger Things is $13 million. So, I mean, crazy how much money Hollywood is spending on just one episode of a show these days. Uh, but that just makes it all the more impressive uh, to see the faith-based uh, drama The Chosen earning north of 400 million streams on a budget of about $22 million total uh, for its first and second season. Uh, so it's even more impressive when you consider that the show, which just ended its second season, like I said, is available for free to anyone who wants to watch it. Uh, we spoke recently with The Chosen's executive producer, Daryl Eaves, uh, who told us the decision to stream the show for free was the result of what he called a Red Sea moment. Listen to what he had to say. So every time along the project, we hit a wall. Um, it's what we call our Red Sea moments. It's the moment that we get to the Red Sea, we look behind us, you know, here's Egypt's army coming to attack us and we just can't go anywhere. And so we have to rely mm -hmm. upon God to part the Red Sea so we can go forward. And we just kind of had a Red Sea moment um, and we become very sensitive where we can't go any further. And we're, we're very prayerful and looking for all the options. One thing that we decided out of the gate is never to dismiss an idea and to mm -hmm. to facilitate all ideas. And we want to test ideas. And so we're willing to take a, a, a test and, you know, the results will tell us if it's the right course or action to do it, you know. And so we've been testing from day one. And so um, we don't dismiss ideas that are, are outside and disruptive. And in fact, we embrace those ideas because some of those ideas is the direction that we need to go. Uh, one of those ideas obviously ended up being the decision to stream the show free, uh, which came very early in, into the first season, uh, was not something that they were all on board with initially, but uh, earlier in the interview, Eves told us that he, the show's creator, Dallas Jenkins, and the rest of the team eventually decided that, he said, if it's a story about Jesus, it needs to go out to the world. Uh, and making it free was the best way to do that. And you know, their goal is to get one billion streams uh, from all over the all over the world. Uh, and they're, I mean, they're at over 400 million streams uh, now at the beginning of the second season or at the end of the second season. Uh, and he's also told me uh, that he wasn't expecting this kind of success. Uh, he said that he figured this kind of success would maybe come at the end of the third season. Uh, so he's been blown away mm. uh, at, at the support that the show has gotten. Uh, so he's also said that in his three and a half years working with The Chosen, he described them as the most rewarding he's ever had in his career. Uh, he said that he and the team at The Chosen have seen miracle after miracle, uh, and he credited uh, the show's success uh, to God. So obviously not a right or left story at all, just a, I mean, a, a fantastic testimony of how God has used the chosen just to reach more people with the gospel around the world, literally around the world. I mean, it's it's in so many countries now, uh, has been translated into so many different languages. Uh, and by the way, on top of being the most successful crowdsource show ever, Dan, mm. it's also the first multi-season series about the life and ministry of Jesus mm. ever produced. Uh, so in season three is already more than halfway funded. I think the last time I checked uh, last night, they're 57% funded to, to get rolling on producing episodes of, of season three. Uh, so you can watch our full interview with uh, Eves on faithwire.com. 
and on our YouTube channel, you can watch the show. Just go into the, whatever your app store is, and you can download the chosen app. Like, just yeah. put that into the search bar. And the show, like I said, is is totally free, and they don't have any intentions of of changing that. Yeah, and there's different ways you can get it. Like, if your TV, like I, I watched it through. Um, well, we just started watching it. Actually, we're only a couple episodes in, and it's really great. Um, yeah. But you you just you can. I think the way we're doing it is uh, we open it on our on one of the phones, and then you can send it to your tv i think through our yeah. fire stick or something like that and a bunch of different devices you can do it too so we just do it that way and it pops right up on the tv and uh you can watch it there so uh yeah it's, it's really well done and um um certainly uh a different vibe than the typical uh christian show that that doesn't like you said the first one um that's a multi-season series about yeah. the life and ministry of jesus so that's really cool Good story there. I'd encourage you to go check out the whole interview uh, over at the website, faithwire.com. And as always, go and uh, follow and subscribe this podcast over on iTunes, 4 and 3 podcast. Make sure to leave a review. And uh, we'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. Have a great rest of your day.